Luke chapter one in your Bibles. I appreciate all of you. And I know these are hard times, but don't do this. Let's also this. Don't let the devil get a foothold with some division over something like this. Like, did you see that person wasn't wearing a mask? Or did you see that person wearing a mask? They must be a Democrat. Like, don't do that, okay? That's ridiculous. Don't do that, okay? Please, just, if you have an opinion, maybe just let it simmer for a few minutes before you let it go, okay? Usually, if you don't feel like saying it a few minutes later, it didn't need to be said, okay? Uh, Just love each other, make each other feel comfortable, take the high road. Luke chapter number one. Have you ever gone door to door at Christmas time caroling with your friends? Who's, who's ever gone door-to-door Christmas caroling? Oh, a lot of you. Good. Good. Yeah, I don't know if we're be able to do that as much uh, nowadays, but historically, caroling in England was a way of wishing one's neighbors good health, uh, and it wasn't strictly a Christmas activity. It wasn't until the 1800s that Christmas songs and caroling became synonymous, and it became a popular way to spread cheer throughout the whole community. Some of the most popular carols include the one we sang this morning, uh, O Come All Ye Faithful, Oh, Holy Night. Who has Oh, Holy Night is their favorite Christmas song. That's a popular one. I think Kara, oh, just Kara, you and like 10 others. Oh, Holy Night. Uh, What Child Is This? We Three Kings. The First Noel. That's Noel's favorite one. Away in a Manger. Joy to the World. That's Joy's favorite one. Uh, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. A lot of good ones. If you do a Google search right now on, don't do it, trust me, but do it later, on what is the oldest Christmas carol, this is what I got. Uh, It's a song called Jesus Refelsit Omnium. Don't you love it? Is that your favorite? Whose favorite song is Jesus Revels? Actually, let's sing that old song. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody knows that song. But I found a YouTube video where it's played, and it's rough. Uh, It's kind of like that. Um, But there is actually an older Christmas carol than that. You know, when Jesus was born, uh, it was surrounded by music. The Christmas story in Matthew and the beginning of Luke, people are singing. Zacharias was singing. Elizabeth was singing. Mary was singing. The angels were singing. uh, Anna was singing in the temple when she met Jesus. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 2. I'll show you about the angels, and you know this, Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, about the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, it's really helpful for me to picture it. To picture the story. Now, one angel shows up. And if you ever notice, when an angel shows up in the Bible, he's always like, fear not, fear not. I think it was like scary to see an angel sometimes. It was like overwhelming, the, the glory or the light or whatever. But fear not, fear not. It's, it's okay. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, imagine if it was fear not for one angel, imagine the ah, suddenly of a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When God chose to announce the birth of his son, he chose a choir. He chose singing. I love singing in our choir. Uh, I love music. And this was a, I guess it would be a Christmas carol, wouldn't it? It's the Christmas night that they're celebrating here. But even before that, I want us to look tonight at a Christmas carol so intimate, so full of devotion to the Lord, just between one person and the Lord, that it really deserves our study this morning. So go back to Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter one. So Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. Mary is young. Elizabeth is old. Elizabeth is married to a man named Zacharias, who's a priest. 
They're great people. They're really good. Uh, they're, they love each other, but God has not given them children. In fact, uh, if you were to ask them, hey, why did you never have children? Then they would say, well, first of all, we're very old now. We're, we're elderly, the Bible says here, and, and then we're also uh, barren. Elizabeth happens to be barren, unable to have children. But the angel Gabriel visits Elizabeth. This is all in Luke 1. Visits Elizabeth and says, of course, fear not. Uh, you are going to have a child. And Elizabeth said, how is this going to be? Because I'm barren and I'm elderly. And like, you are going to have a child. You and Zacharias together are going to have a child. Uh, the angel Gabriel also visits uh, Zacharias. Zacharias doesn't believe it. He's in the temple doing his business, and uh, the angel shows up, and fear not, and you're going to have a child. He said, how can this be? Elizabeth's barren. We're, we're both elderly. That time has passed for us, and uh, you are going to have a child. And then lo and behold, a few days later, uh, she is with child. Elizabeth's going to have a baby, a miracle. This was going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ prophesied in the Old Testament. Meanwhile, uh, six months go by, and her younger cousin, Mary, who was espoused to Joseph. You remember, it's engaged without, uh, more than engaged. Uh, my sister-in-law, Sherry, who sang with us this morning, she is engaged, and she's going to be married in 12 days, right? We figured that out in Sunday school, 12 days. And uh, so she's engaged, but espoused was even more than engaged. It was where you're basically married, but for the ceremony and what would happen all after that, life together. Uh, you, you really are committed legally to one another. But she, she hadn't come together with Joseph yet. And Gabriel, the same angel, visits Mary, fear not, and says, you are going to have a child. And you know the story. Mary says, how is this going to be? I don't, I don't have a husband yet. And, and, uh, and she, he said, the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that Holy Ghost is going to put that child within you. He's going to be called Jesus. He's going to be called the Son of God, called the Son of the Highest. Again, this is all in Luke 1. You can read later. And, and, he, and by the way, the angel said, your cousin is with child too, Elizabeth. And so Mary believed every word of that. You remember before that, that uh, Zacharias wasn't so sure. Joseph kind of doubted about some things. Mary, it's amazing. We don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. But she was highly favored. She was quite an example. She believed. She believed. Be it unto me according to thy word. Mary said to that angel. So then Mary takes a trip. So now she understands that she is with child very early on. She takes a trip either to go check on Elizabeth to see if this is true, uh, maybe to tell her what the angel has told her. Uh, maybe uh, she, she believes maybe going to check on her elderly cousin who is six months pregnant to take care of her. She actually did stay with her till basically she had her baby. Uh, and she shows up. Look in Luke chapter number one. So this is where we're jumping in. Luke 1.39, and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. By the way, this is my uncle right here, Shannon Stansel. Shannon, can you wave to everybody? He just moved here from uh, Raleigh, so thank you for being here. I didn't recognize you, but I'm glad you're here. Isn't that a dope cable knit sweater, by the way? Doesn't he look good? It looks like a movie star. Okay. <laughs> Verse number 40, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass, so Mary walks in. She's with child, but she's not showing. She's just with child. And I don't think Elizabeth knows and Mary walks in, and it came to pass, verse 41, that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, Mary said, hello, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Basically, when Mary said hello, John the Baptist, who was inside of Elizabeth, who hadn't been born yet, he wasn't named the Baptist yet, uh, but uh, John the Baptist inside there went berserk. Right, and I've never carried a child in my womb before, my tummy. But uh, I, but I understand that sometimes that baby does somersaults. We had a couple that uh, one did somersaults all the time, another one hiccups all the time, and it's it, you can like see it happening. Like when they six months, you really can. And this baby went 
Hey, man, let's go. Let's preach or whatever. Like, this is the, this is the Lamb of God that take the way. I don't know if he said all that, but he went berserk when he heard Mary and, and the Holy Ghost fell in verse 43. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord, this is Elizabeth talking still, should come to me for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. The next few verses is Mary's Christmas carol. Mary's song. This morning, we're just going to call it the first Christmas carol. That could be debatable. I don't know. But we're going to call it the first Christmas carol and see what Mary praised the Lord for to kind of in- introduce it. Look at verse number 46. I want you to look at these first two verses. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now, when you magnify something, imagine you have a magnifying glass. You look at something. You don't change the nature of the thing. If you have a microscope and you look through that, I loved doing that in school, looking through the microscope and seeing, looking at whatever and seeing the creepy things that are on everything around you. They're, you're literally crawling the stuff. Did you know that? But looking through it, you don't change the nature of anything just by magnifying it, but you focus on it. You look at it for what it really truly is. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Now, what is a soul? It's your mind, your will, your emotions, Your soul, what your soul, what your mind, your heart dwells on, that is your decision. Why do some people go through the exact same circumstances in life, maybe same church, even same family, and and one is bitter and cynical, the other one is full of joy of the Lord? Well, it matters if you're going to magnify the Lord or not in your life. Look at the next verse. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. What's your spirit? Your spirit is that spiritual part of you that communicates with God. So your spirit comes alive when you get saved. When it says in John 3, you must be born again, Jesus said to to the man, you must be born again. What's born? That spirit. Your spirit is that part of you who before Jesus, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. So that spirit rejoices. What is rejoice? It means you're exceedingly glad. You're so glad it's just bubbling over and everybody can tell. You are rejoicing. So my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She was so overwhelmed and full of the joy of the Lord that she had to break forth in song. Well, it's kind of like what we're talking about with the Thanksgiving message. Thinking about entering to his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. When you focus on the Lord, when you magnify the Lord, your spirit will rejoice in God. You know, it's hard sometimes to get it revved up. Remember like the lawnmower to get it going. But when you focus on the Lord, your decision, when you focus on the Lord, you just get going. I was talking to somebody recently and they were a little bit down in the dumps, but, and I, I, I provide great counseling sometimes and I don't say a word. I tell Carol, like, I don't, I don't, I don't say a word. <laughs> and, but they, but they, but sometimes what you need is already there. You already know and just talk through it. And uh, this person started talking about their life story and, and really hard things they've been through. But as they talked, they summarized each story kind of like Psalms where it says this happened, but then God was faithful. And then God was faithful. And by the time we were done, it was God is faithful. God is faithful. I said, he sure is. I, I, you're right. You're, you've, you've been right this whole time. He is. He really is. And when you magnify the Lord, look, if the Lord's not big in your life, it's not because the Lord's not big. It's because you're not magnifying the Lord. If the Lord's not uh, uh, worshiped in your life, if you're not rejoicing in the Lord, it's not because he's not worthy. It's because you're not magnifying the Lord in your life. Psalm 42, 5 says, Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him 
for the help of his countenance. And I think Mary, as she traveled, she believed. She did believe. Uh, Elizabeth said it. Uh, 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 Mary said it to Gabriel. I believe, I believe. But sometimes we understand something that's going on, but it takes a while to like sink in, you know, like to really react and understand. Like, like if you won the lottery right now, first of all, don't play the lottery. It's a tax uh, on the poor. That's what Dave Ramsey says, but don't do that. Uh, don't play that. But if you won the lottery, okay, I'd be your friend if you won the lottery. I, I, we throw that don't play out the window if you want it. Um, but if you won the lottery, uh, there are some people in this room who would be, ah, you know, the reaction you'd like to watch on TV. Oh my goodness. There's other people who would be, okay, all right, you know, uh, that's good. And they say, oh, that's great. And then it would sink in later. And then maybe a week later, you'd just be taking a shower and then start jumping up and down screaming, I want the lottery. You know, it, it sunk in. Everybody's a little bit different on how they process information. And, and Mary believed, and, but she wanted to see Elizabeth for herself. And then when it happened, when Elizabeth said, this is true, and she confirmed what the angel told her, even though Mary already believed and knew, you know, she knows that she's with child now. Her soul, she had to break out in song. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Let's look this morning at the three things she praised the Lord for. Number one, in this first Christmas carol, God's mercy. God's mercy. Verse 48, for he hath regarded, this is Mary talking, the low estate of his handmaiden. The low estate. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. What does that mean? He has considered the low estate. You know, Mary wasn't going to be the next candidate for the Ivy League school. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't born into some family that was well-respected and prestigious or anything. She was just a, a virtuous, nice, good young lady who loved the Lord and was just living for God and just doing whatever God had for her next and believing whatever God told her and obeying. And she was praising God. He hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Boy, that's true, isn't it? It's 2020, and we're still talking about Mary, saying how blessed she was in order to, by carrying the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we don't, we don't worship Mary. There's, we have some graven images up here. Don't think of them that way, okay? They're just little things. Uh, uh, Luke was asking me, who's that? And pointed at baby Jesus. I want to say baby Jesus to confuse him. Like, those are people. That's a baby. That's a lady. That's a man. That's a camel. You know, I don't want to confuse them. We pray to them. And we don't do that. But, but you know, we do understand that Mary was, was quite a lady. She was quite a lady to be admired for her belief, her devotion, and love to God. He hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. You know, the fear of God can be defined in a lot of ways. You know, there's no fear of God in their heart, or that person's got the fear of God, or as a parent about your child, I'm going to put the fear of God in their heart. Uh, what it basically means is you see God for who he is, you understand who he is, and then you live in such a way that you understand who God is. You submit to what the Lord has for you to do. Uh, you, you have a, a reverential awe of God, the fear of God. And by the way, right here in verse number 50, it, it, we, we see how to access the mercy of God, them that fear him from generation to generation. Uh, you know, you look around in America today and the fear of God is missing. It really is. The things that are acceptable today would not have been really widely acceptable 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 10 years ago. It just depends on what you're thinking about. But, but why is that? There's no fear of God. No fear of God. But you know, God is so rich in mercy. Amen. He is so full of mercy. You just take a walk down memory lane, okay? Just in your life, okay? You don't have to tell anybody. But think about your life and what you deserve, right? Some people say, well, I deserve this. Well, but do you though? 
Because the Bible says in Isaiah, all our righteousness, like all of our good stuff that you and I could do, what is it like? Filthy rags. And that's, we read that in Sunday school this morning. That's so encouraging, isn't it? Like everything that I could do, like the best, most virtuous Christian you ever knew, if you were to hold up all their good works to God, it'd be filthy rags, right? That's why the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. I might say like Mary, she's a good lady, but really if we were to compare anybody to God, filthy, dirty, nothing, rags, nothing. The only thing that you and I ever deserved, our wages, the Bible says is death is that second death, eternal death in hell. It says the wages of sin is death. Now, how many of you are not a sinner? Anybody here? Not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're all sinners. We've all done wrong, haven't we? We've all lied at some point. We've all uh, uh, gossiped or stolen or something that we thought later, man, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, it's a, it's a sin. Sin is still a real word. Sin is a breaking of God's law. Sin is God tells you to do something and you refuse to do it. That's sin. And because of that sin, you know what we earn? We earn a place in a lake of fire. But God, who is rich in mercy. Man. And then you think about just your own life. Besides eternity, okay? We've all got eternity coming after we die, heaven or hell. But just your own life. The chance after chance God has given you. You think about I mean, just think about it. Don't say, well, yeah, that person I know. But you, just you, you know. Maybe the things nobody knows about that God had mercy on you for, allowed you to repent and allowed you to take care of it yourself without having other people involved. You just think through your life. You think through your life. God is so rich in mercy. And Mary, who was highly favored and a blessed lady, she said, God, you are so rich in mercy. Praise God, I don't deserve your mercy. Next, what else did she praise him for? God's might, his might. Look at verse 51. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. God's might. Let me ask you a question this morning. What in the world do you have going on in your life that you could honestly say is bigger than God? nothing. You got big things. You got big things going on and everyone's got something different going on, but nothing is anywhere close to how powerful God is. And we talk a lot about timing and what God allows and God is in control. Okay. God is in control. And you might be somebody who's listening later on the podcast or watching it, like people I've talked to this week who uh, say you've been home for months and months and you feel like you're in prison. You don't know if you can take it any longer. You're not sure if you should leave or stay at home or you just don't know. And God is powerful, stronger than anything you have going on in your life. He is. Now, how do you get through this? Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. God is, look, look at what she said here. And her, her, her heart, by the way, her heart, as she's thinking about God's blessings and, and magnifying the Lord, her spirit is rejoicing. It's just flowing. Her heart is flowing. Her spirit is rejoicing. He had put down the mighty from their seats. Those people that are strong, they're nothing to God. Exalted them of low degree. Those people that aren't worth anything in the world's eyes, that doesn't matter to God. Uh, he hath filled the hungry with good things. Hungry people, doesn't matter. The rich he hath sent empty away. Uh, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're strong, if you're weak, if you're proud, if you're humble, it doesn't matter. God is above all all of that, God's might, God's power. By the way, God is bigger than your sin. We just talked about your sin, how it dooms you to a literal place called the lake of fire because God cannot be touched with sin. You cannot get into heaven with your unrighteousness, your sin. But God, 
loved you so much, sent his son Jesus Christ. The reason he came was not so we could have Christmas, open present. he lived a good life and all that. The reason he came, God in the flesh, was to die for our sins and to pay for those sins. And you might say, and we've all talked to somebody like this, like, I don't think that God can save me because I'm too bad a sinner. Good night. That is, that is a wicked, wicked lie of the world in your mind that somehow God, who spoke the galaxies into existence with a word, cannot forgive your sins with the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses everyone's sin equally. There are no levels of sinners in here like, well, I'll be in the hot place and I'll be in a real hot place. Or, no, no. All of us are separated from God without the Lord Jesus Christ. But all of us, all of us are completely right with God with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told you a bajillion times, I'll tell you again. When I was five years old, I heard a message kind of like this one, and I decided that I realized in my heart I needed Jesus. And I asked my parents how to be saved. I heard that word, saved. What does saved mean? It just means you're saved from having to go to hell, that place that you have earned with your sins. And how do you access it? Just by faith. Now listen, I didn't get saved at five and ask Jesus to save me, Lord, please save me. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. I didn't get saved and then start climbing the ladder of works to make sure I'm good with God every single day. I have been on my way to heaven since that very moment. Since that very moment. You know, and you might be separated from God right now because of your sins. You feel like something's between you and God. You got saved. You know you got saved. You know you asked God to save you, and you believe that he did. But now you've got something between you and God, and you think, I don't think God is powerful enough to help me break these chains of addiction. I don't know if God's powerful enough to ever get me back to a place of restoration with God. You know how powerful he is? All it takes is one word from you. Lord, help me. I repent. I repent. Lord, please forgive me. And I mean, not, 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 that, not that you're on your way to hell or anything before, but there's something between you and your heavenly father and you feel that I understand that. You know how to get rid of it? Just like that. God is that powerful. God is more powerful than anything, anything, any sickness, any pain, any disappointment, any sin. God is more powerful. What else did she praise God for? Lastly, this morning, you're listening well, thank you. His faithfulness, his faithfulness. Verse 54, he hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. You know, she started thinking about history. She started thinking about in Isaiah, behold, uh, a virgin shall conceive. She started thinking about all the promises and, and, uh, and, and the promises that God made to Israel that the Messiah would come that the Redeemer would come through that line, through the line of David, and she was of the line of David. And she started thinking about all that, and she, she, she ended with, God is so faithful. You know, it seemed like a long time from the time God was making those promises in the Old Testament to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to the nation that they produced Israel to now. But she said, God is faithful. God sure is faithful. And as you look back on your life, and you think through all of the things that God has brought you through. You know what you always end with? Man, God sure is faithful. God sure is faithful, isn't he? Man, he's faithful. And you can't help but come to that conclusion when you magnify the Lord. When you start rejoicing in the Lord in your spirit. When you remember, man, God, you're so merciful to me. You're so strong in my life. And you have been faithful. And you will be faithful. I don't have the answer for every decision you should make. It's going to come up, especially now in, in 2020, and what should we do here and there? I don't have the answer to every single thing, but I do know that God is faithful. I do know that God is faithful. God is merciful, and God is mighty in your life. 
Mary magnified the Lord. Her spirit rejoiced in the Lord, in His mercy, in His might, and in His faithfulness.